Good evening, everybody. How you doing? This is Ron. This is Chris. This is Jack. And this is Ryan. And welcome back to the only podcast that matters. Yeah. This mm. week, we are going to talk about money. We are going to talk about money. Money, money, In various money. capacities. Mm-hmm. No, we're not paying licensing for that song. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I run. Cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get the copyright. Anyway. Um, yeah, we're going to talk quite a bit about money. Yeah, we're so. going to go back to when we were just wee lads and mm. all the way up till now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anybody what we spend do with money? <laughs> anybody what we spend don't money do with on money? anything other than candy, <laughs> toys, because baseball cards? I think that covers it. Mm. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I invested in oil when I was eight, and I lost my fortune at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He couldn't have a butler anymore. Yeah. Uh, at that point, yeah. That's a shame, Jack. Butler. I used to, <laughs> We'd, uh, they'd give up the glass house and <laughs> the pool, the in-ground pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, my uh, parents and I would give my brothers and I five dollars a week. They wouldn't call it allowance because they're like, "Well, this is just money because you're in our family and you know you're just a part of the family, so we're going to give you money. It's not for doing chores or anything oh, cool. like that." So uh, we would take that to the flea market that uh, was in Lakewood where we lived, mm-hmm. and just blow it on baseball cards every nice. week. Nice. And. Uh, and sit around trading cards for the rest of the day, and <laughs> so as playing. if any of them yeah. were so probably they, any good anyway. Uh, yeah, probably, they just gave yeah. you money, really? Yeah. Wow. I, there was really had chores to do even before we were able to start mowing the lawn and things like that. We didn't really have much in the way of chores to do. So wow, parents just like here's five dollars a I week. Did, I did and, chores you know. pro bono, yeah. as they call it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get, I didn't get an allowance. <laughs> that makes two yeah. of us. Really? You didn't get yeah, allowance. Either? I didn't get any allowance. Um, I did have some money. I'd get like presents from like my grandparents or someone, or my, oh, yeah. my parents from mm, during yeah. like my birthday or something. But it usually wasn't that much. Mm-hmm. So I actually was when it came down to money. I was myself very frugal because I knew I didn't have that much of it. Mm, uh, makes sense. Yeah, and but but like. Taggart said, I mean, I also, I, I got some baseball cards. Yeah. Mostly I, I was more into comics, like Superman. In comics too, yeah. Uh, I lost all of them because my brother was better at cheating at poker. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. And I was like eight or nine years old. So. <laughs> That's illegal, sir. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Go get your yep. comics back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you got tricked into entering an illegal gambling ring wow. at eight. Yeah. No good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. At that age, totally. Mm. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I read every comic, and uh, no, I don't have any of them, or most of them. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That really sucks. Yeah, but uh, before, actually, I'm sorry, after that, uh, the first time I actually made any money was when uh, I was a, between freshman and sophomore year of high school that summer. I joined uh, Six Flags Great Adventure. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, all, one of those. all the free passes I wanted, <laughs> I <got laughs> and I did and minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I made six dollars an hour. Oh man! Yes, and if I worked, uh, I was in the ESO pool, which back then was wherever they needed you if they had a shortage of workers, whether it be food, rides. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so you were like grounds. an open contract, exactly. <laughs> and if we worked grounds, though, we would make seven dollars an hour because dealing with garbage. Oh, and I remember yeah, the man. first time I went to work for them, like sweet seven dollars. They sent me out to like empty the garbages and and like put on new bags, but. What I didn't realize was they didn't give me gloves. They were supposed to. Oh. And I was a little kid. I didn't know this was the first time I was working. Yeah, you're like 14, 15, was, right? Yeah, it was disgusting. Oh. I, I was 15. Actually, I had my 16th birthday. Oh, listen to this. I was working in as a cashier. The day that I turned 16, being 16 years old, you can work in – they had like a couple of places where you can work uh, by serving beer. Um, really? At 16? Yeah, huh. at 16. So I was working Maybe at the place. time. Yeah. Uh, I was called out near the end of the day, and they suspended me for three days because apparently the week before, exactly $51.00 was missing from one of my tills. 
Really? Mm. And the thing is you need to ha- have $50 missing or more in order to be suspended for three days. Oh. And somehow, and this is the only time money was missing from my till, and it was exactly fifty-one. Of course, yeah. Sucks. So I had that once at a job I was working, where I was a cashier, where my till was five dollars short, and anything more than five dollars was a kind of like a probationary write-up. And yeah. I had exactly five dollars missing one day, and I was just like, ah, oh, damn. I mean, it never happened again, but that, it always tends to be exactly what you need. Oh, yeah. yeah. To, to get some kind Funnily of. Funnily enough, when I worked at Six Flags, I worked for the department that took care of those variances. Oh, yeah. Cash registers, yeah. It was, I was you. I was an auditor there. So, yeah. It was, it was a bitch. long yeah, after. We, we hunted people like you. Couldn't Revelations. get their money straight. Yeah. <laughs> so that's no why good. you have a. A wall with pictures of people, including mine, with it X'd out like that. <laughs> yep. yeah, One down. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like in the board identity. Dignity yeah. restored. Yeah. People who yeah. <laughs> they got like text over the picture. <laughs> it's like terminated, terminated, terminated. Thief. Prosecuted, yeah. terminated. But anyway. uh, I, too, was 16 when I got my first job. I was a cashier in a supermarket. And um, from that point, my, uh, my parents taught me about really saving money. So I, I actually opened up a bank account. Uh, when I got that job, I was making, it was just part-time. I was making maybe $120 a week, something like that after taxes. So I would put 100 away every Man. week and keep 20 for spending money. Remember and that was massive? Yeah, it like was. $100, yeah. 100, so, or even $7 an is, hour was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I was making like $6 <laughs> an hour. Especially when gas was like. It was like 90 cents a gallon. 90 to a dollar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like you had so much left over. Now and it's the worst for kids because they get paid. They make oh, it pay yeah. more $100 hour, gets gone in a day. Yeah. 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 For gas, $40 to fill up a tank. Yeah. I remember yeah. when I got my first 100 40 even more. I think I paid 60 last time. Uh, well, depending on yeah. the size of the yeah. tank in your car, of This course. was uh, yeah. before I even had a car, obviously. It was 16, so I didn't even have to worry about gas money. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, or car insurance you know. or any of that stuff you but, worry about now. Yeah, but with that saving, I was able to actually, uh, a few years later, buy buy a car. So I was awesome. I saved like five to $6,000 over the course of a few years, and I was able to, to put that down for a car. And my parents helped me finance the rest. That was my uh, my first car that was technically mine. So that was, that was a good thing, and just you know, learn how to save that way, and you know, discipline. It was it was much harder when I did have a car and I had to pay for gas, and I was able to do oh, more things with my friends and everything like that. But it, it taught me good habits just right from the get go, as far as at least putting some money away. So that's smart that you took the lesson. I didn't take the lesson at all, but it, it was it was also an approach that was different with me. My parents, and it influenced my spending habits later on when I started working, and obviously into even my early twenties, because their perception was pay your bills and put your money in the bank, and that's kind of it. Everything else came last, entertainment or any kind of uh, mad money, as they say. That kind of came last. So from my perspective, though, at the time, like we never really took family vacations when we went to Disney or went anywhere like that. Sad for me, but whatever. I was and, in that same boat, too. Yeah, and so I kind of took, took the lesson where it's like, well, wait a minute. So if you – subconsciously, it's, not, it's something I didn't figure out until like years later when I was like, well, why is it – tend to, to spend the majority of my paycheck and then or, or spend it before I pay bills or, or whatever and kind of take a look at it. I think I took the lesson that well, my parents pay their bills and save their money, yet we never really do anything and they don't like do much to have fun. You got to have some so enjoyment was, out of it. Yeah, there, there needs to be a balance. And since I kind of saw there was no balance, I immediately was just like, well, I got to spend the money while I have it so I can enjoy myself. And <laughs> so I kind of went in the opposite direction. And it wasn't a good habit, but there wasn't. I, I think that balance is really important yeah. when you're a kid. I mean, even it plant is. the idea of saving for a car in your head was awesome. Yeah, because I never thought about it 
that far in advance. I mean, my sometimes it was my difficult. Car and yeah. I, I, I had to work to pay it off, obviously. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's difficult, especially when I got a car. Like, I wanted to save less money. I wanted to go out to dinner. I wanted to go to the movies all the time. Oh, yeah. That sensation's like always that. there so when you have some, I didn't save nearly as much when I had a car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my first car was, was a hand-me-down from my dad. And, you know, I just I paid whatever it needed in, re- in repairs in order to take it. So oh, cool. I didn't get it for free. But it was I was so happy to have a car. Yeah. You know, at that point. That, I was, mm. you know didn't have to be a ridiculous car and didn't have to be a Camaro or a GT or anything just like that. Just something to get from point A to point B. You know. And, yeah, you know, people age. had cooler cars that were my age, and but it didn't matter. Yeah, everybody kind of starts out that way. Except, well, I didn't. I had to go and finance a car like an idiot <laughs> <laughs> at 17. It was so stupid. Chris, I think we're kind of like opposites because when it came to money, I always felt like I had to save. And I never really... That's good. That's a smart oh, yeah, thing. it's good, but my life was... Boring as shit. I oh, mean, well, like, but the but the balance thing. See, would you agree then? You had some lack of balance where yeah, you no, I also all the pleasure in saving yeah. money, but not so much you didn't get you didn't get pleasure out of spending. Yeah, it. and I mean, I, I've been working at a a real job, not like a shop right or a, a Six Flags for the past. So uh, retail's two and a half not a real job. I see. Matter of <laughs> fact, <yeah. laughs> just kidding. Uh, when I say real job, I'm talking about like uh, Monday Friday nine to five job. Exactly. Salary jobs. Yeah, yeah salary okay. jobs. Gotcha. So I've been doing that for uh, next month. It's going to be three years. And since then, really, the only travel I've done is when I had to go for work. Um, so I, all I've been doing since then is saving up. And only recently, uh, I've been actually spending the money and saving And enjoying you know, it. Yeah. And I, I just finished a pretty big project at work. I built up a lot of overtime. A lot, and it just happened to work out. And I said, you know what? I built it up. I saved up some cash. I need a vacation. Yeah, so, totally. You do. You need that yeah. vacation every yeah. after three at least years once a of year. working. And, oh yeah. yeah, you didn't go anywhere except for when you had to work. You yeah, know, that's, but, I that's mean, difficult. The, for, the reason for pleasure. Yeah, Cut yourself but the a break. reason yeah, I didn't have, have a problem to. with the, the, the with working that long without having too much of a break is because luckily some of the travel. One time we went to uh, Virginia Beach. We were there I remember for, you told me about yeah, that and trip, awesome. and it wasn't all business. You it know, wasn't you, all business. We spent one one weekend. We had a barbecue on the sand. It was pretty awesome. Um, didn't you go to get to go to Washington State at some point? You went to like snowboarding or skiing? There, oh no, that wasn't. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, that was Washington State. I was thinking Washington D.C. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Washington State. We were there for six weeks. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It's wet. It's disgusting. Yeah. But they had snowboarding, and we got to see some bald eagles. Nice. Um, but the snowboarding. Oh, that's was, all you had to say. It was, <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, investments? Anybody have anything interesting going on? You guys invested in stocks or 401ks or anything like that? I recently just did with work. I should have done it two years ago. Tell me about it. um, (laughs) The person, one of my higher-ups, actually recommended it to me me two years ago when I graduated college, and I was iffy about it just because I didn't know how long at the time I was going to be at this job. He actually did give me some good advice, and about six weeks ago, we went over it, and I did put some investments into a couple different sectors or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that you put into a 401k, so now... What's good about the 401k I have now, the company I work for matches 5% of your paycheck each. Which is awesome. Which is great. If you contribute up to 5 they'll match whatever percentage of your paycheck you put in up to 5%. Yeah. Which a lot of companies do, which is awesome. Yeah. Which This I, is the company I used to work for, folks. That's the only reason I know it. I'm not telling Jack his business. And me as well. <laughs> yeah, and you did too. That's right. <laughs> which I did an even split with the five investments because this guy, his wife works on Wall Street, so he's very business oh, savvy. savvy. So. Yeah. He told me, you know, invest in this, invest in real estate, invest in something. And I was a little iffy, like, real estate, really? You know, the economy has failed because of problems with real estate. But he said, no, well, sometimes, I forget what he actually said to me, but it'll come back. 
Well, because right now it's low. Yeah, yeah, it always comes back. So right now things are low. Property values are low. So if you're investing in it now, when real estate explodes in a few years, that's when everything's going to double and triple. Your investments. So you you buy when it's low and always sell high. Yeah, absolutely. But that's massive when you think about it. If you if you give. And it's something, too, when I started working for said company, which at this point was, geez, over 10 years ago, I wish somebody had put the thought in my head, as I wrote about in, in a recent blog about a, a co-worker of mine, a former co-worker of mine, who invested when he was 19, and he was almost 40, and he had over $400,000 between what he put in to his 401k and the company match. Wow. Because yeah. I figure if it's like... Over time, if you're investing 5% and the company's investing that same 5% for you, 10% of your income over time is, I mean, that's massive. That's yeah. great. It can build up a lot. Yeah. And yeah, the very good thing is I can, fluc- I can fluctuate some of the percentages of what I want to invest in. It's always like flexible. I can do 15%, 10%, 30%. It also has wow. to total to 100%. So, But I've kept it right now at an even 20 just to be on the safe side of what I wanted to do. Right. You know, even 20 split yeah. with the five investments. So you, you do need yeah some money for bills. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And over, so you don't want to put your whole paycheck into it. And yeah. over time, yeah. too. It's good because you'll be able to look at, as far as what's trending, mm-hmm. wh- what is obviously has more of a return than something yeah, else. So over time, in. you'll be like, oh, maybe I'll, be, I'll put 10 into this so I have something, and I'll put 30 into something else that has more, let's say, growth potential. And this person I work with, he really is – he told me anytime you want to make any further investments or just come to him, and he's completely a great source for all this. Him and his wife are – well, he was – his wife is mostly involved in the trading – but he knows so much about it, you know, being married. Through her, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's great advice to have somebody that you work close with that knows a lot about that. And I have a lot of people that are like that, but this person I work closely with on a different project recently that I can go to for any advice with that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's also never yeah. a resource like that. I finally do contribute to a 401k now, but there's no match, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. still, over it's time, still it's one of those things. Yeah, it's one of the things that doesn't hurt you when you're young. Percentage of your paycheck for now, it's you know, that you never. Yeah, that, you, yeah, that you're it, not going to miss anyway. You don't miss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's right now. It's a, It's I think it's three percent. There's yeah. only a slight difference I've seen in my paychecks. Maybe about forty dollars less. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and over time that yeah. adds up. Yeah, yeah, yeah very quickly. It's forty dollars. I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm good with you know rationing out my money. When I was younger, I wasn't. Uh, when mm. I was 11 years old, I got my first hundred dollars, and I within and lost your first hundred dollars. <laughs> yes, yeah, so within three weeks, I went to the comic shop and bought a bunch of crap that I didn't need, and uh, it was it was gone. Well, when you're you don't know when you're that young, that though, age, you have so, no idea. Honestly, that's, yeah. that's what you're. I, like, I got to get rid of this money really quick. Yeah. What do I want? Yeah, that was that was the much. mindset back in the day. But when I got my first job when I was 17 years old, going on 18, and it was cool to have some kind of income because before that I just kind of babysat for my sister and got money for like that $50 a week to watch my younger sister at home. So it was cool to have a part-time job and invest money. When I got my first car that same summer, it was cool to have, like you said, that kind of freedom to go anywhere. I would go to movies and I would go to get lunch, go out, and just not yeah, spend do, that much on gas either. Yeah, go back and forth basically. to school and go back and forth to the mall and back it starts, and forth it to work. It starts that so, habit. Yeah. But it was nice that that whole freedom is amazing. I mean, I didn't neglect it and spend everything, but it was kind of cool to be like, "Wow, I can go out and buy a bunch of DVDs and watch them, and that's great." Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I don't have to rely on my, time. you know, my parents or something for a birthday gift or a Christmas gift to get this anymore. I can get this on my yeah. own valor. Yeah, that was the. Oh, that's what really inspired me to go out and start doing kind of whatever work I could when I was younger. We may have touched on this in, in one of the jobcasts previously, but I believe so. I think it was in one of our. You're going to buy the Ninja Turtles movie or something? Ninja Turtle movie? I did. Yeah. I, I washed cars. I ended up only washing one and getting five bucks. <laughs> but whatever. $40 VHS tape. No, it was like 15 at the time. The but 
but yeah, I went out and I would uh, all year long. I'd be doing something, shoveling snow in the winter, which winters can be pretty b- brutal in New Jersey. So that was easy. Twenty dollars a driveway. You can go out in a day and make a hundred dollars. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Take an hour and a half to do a driveway and, and make twenty bucks. I don't remember that many horrible snowstorms though. Back when I was a kid. Well, when I was in sixth grade, we had a really heavy winter, and that was like perfect time. Was I twelve? Yeah, that was perfect was... to go out. Oh, and I remember. Grab that. I remember that they had a big, was in, big yeah, that, storm. But... Figure that was ninety five. I think. No, I was in eighth grade then, which I probably I was probably still shoveling snow. I had people who had went to regularly for a few years before I got hmm. a regular like on the books job. Well, you're a couple years nice. older than me. I think I it was am. when I was, was like ninety three, ninety two, and then it was raking leaves in the fall beforehand, and then mowing lawns in spring and summer after. I was just ambitious enough to to want to do it because number one, there was stuff I wanted. Number two, I knew I wasn't just going to get it out of nowhere. Just, like like anything in this world, you have to earn it. Exactly. I knew no one was just going to hand me money. And as I said, I never got an allowance or anything like that. It was just birthdays and Christmas. You get some money from family. So it was. It just meant something to me to go out and work and earn it and blow it, basically. Because <laughs> I did at the time. That's when I got really heavy to buying CDs, like middle school. I think I got my first boombox with the top-loading CD boom player. Box. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How much do you think you spend on, on CDs? I've seen your room. I own over 3,000 CDs, dude. It's, I, it's insane. Tens of thousands of it's, dollars over the years. If you want to consider, I mean, over a protracted period of time, it's not like every week I blow hundreds. But for years, it's what I spent my money on. I would go out and I'm like, all right, I'm buying two of these Van Halen CDs. And then next week, I'm going to go buy the... <laughs> the Twister VHS or like yeah. whatever dumb thing I wanted that week. I would go work to earn the money to buy what I wanted. And it was, it was a pretty straight line from point A to B. So in that, I had sense in that way. But I wanted to get back to uh, investments a little bit yeah. uh, that we were talking about before. It's uh, something I've gone Traditional into. Traditional ones, yeah. yeah <laughs> As we strayed a little. Um, so I, I do own stocks in a, a few different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an aunt who uh, lived in uh, Florida that uh, she passed away just a couple of years ago. But she worked for Merck. The uh, oh, drug yeah, company Mark. up uh, in northern New Jersey for most of her life. So uh, she left uh, some stocks uh, for my brothers and I uh, when we were very, very young as a sort of college funds. Wait, so you actually didn't invest anything? You're lying I'm to getting us. to that. Getting you don't, to that. <laughs> don't, don't jump the gun. Oh, okay, fine. I'm getting fine. to that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, there's actually another uh, company called Medco that's affiliated with, with Merck. Yeah, I'm so, familiar with Medco. Yeah, you know Medco too. So uh, she, she left stocks in uh, both of those companies for my brothers and I. And then when she passed away, she left us a lot more. So it's uh, mostly paying for my college loan now, oh, nice. which is a good thing because yeah. I was buried in that and was unable to pay it for a long time. I had to get a forbearance for six months. I mean, mm. well, when, I, have yeah. <laughs> when I started paying, when I got done with college between Sally May, which where my loans came from the private loans and then the government loans, it was about $800 a month, which was wow. absurd. Unbear- it is it's absolutely ridiculous. unbearable because there's so much interest uh, compiled on that loan over the course of four years. Oh, that yeah, is sure. it's absolutely absurd. So, but I have a way to, to finally start paying that down. So I have I have the stocks in those two companies that I watch very regularly, and then I decided to invest in uh, Sirius XM Radio. Oh yeah. So I had that mm-hmm. um, when I got the car that I have now. I got a you know free like six month service of it in the car, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it when I had it. There were a lot of great stations on it, and I uh, didn't have the money for a while to actually keep it going. I might get it back eventually, but uh, I actually decided to invest in there because they the stocks were really really low, and I was hearing good things about it. They were like ninety seven cents a share. I bought something like 25 shares. I started off small, and then um, I checked back like a year later, and uh, this the stock had already doubled. So oh, I nice. ended up buying uh, like 1,200 more shares. 
And then um, it's supposed to go through the roof from what I'm hearing. I've been looking at like futures of the company. And, um, well, if you think about it. More and more people go into satellite radio as opposed to you know, traditional AM and FM. And uh, just the revenue that's been coming into that company, It's the stock is set to explode once yeah. the market in general picks back up. So I've been reading a lot on it, and it's uh, prospects are saying it could jump to $7, $10 within the next couple of years a share, which would be awesome so it can make some real money oh yeah with people so. turning digital radio all the time oh yeah and most cars yeah. being installed with xm radio now too. yeah, yeah. Well, think of, about the, the expansion of the brand at, at least the demo XM. as well because everybody gets like three or six months of it mm-hmm. any well, car that comes with it standard built into the stereo yeah. well yeah my car actually did come with a satellite radio button i did not get satellite radio for the first six months oh you didn't no i, I know certain just manufacturers a, are it's just a button it's just a button. It, it has that a capability do for it it does yeah. have the capability but i never use but it anyway. i actually to... have my ipod that i listen to all the time so yeah I, for me i don't have a reason also uh another reason why uh sirius x or xm radio will, will might skyrocket mm-hmm. in your futures have you noticed that uh commercials for radio have started to be synced with other uh stations Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, well, it's one radio company that owns a lot of the majority radio stations in the area, yeah. probably. So, so they just they, time the commercials. Yeah, they like can't a, miss a parent mm-hmm. company. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I and mean, people don't like commercials very much. So that's one reason why a lot of them are starting to jump ship and go to you know satellite radio. Fewer commercials. Exactly. Cause far they need, fewer, and they need their 30 second fix. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know a lot about stocks and exactly the way they work, and it is kind of scary sometimes yeah. to really to invest in something, even if if the prospects look good and you know the experts are saying it looks good. You know, the bottom can fall out of anything at any point, especially with the way the stock market has been the past couple of oh, years. Oh yeah, and, investing is, is know, a synonym for gambling very, almost. Yeah, it is a gamble. <laughs> it is because you don't know. Is. There, there are the times when things can that, sink that, and then not rise. Or some things that could jump out yeah. of nowhere and one not go thing, anywhere. Yeah. And one thing you're supposed to look for, I'm told, when it comes to investing is something that has dividend reinvestments. Mm-hmm. So that the, you know, the company makes money and then it gives you dividends from the stock that you own. And basically what it does is it reinvests those dividends back into the stock. So basically you're making money on it and they just invest it back into the total um, cash value that you have in that stock. So some companies have that, some don't, where the stock either goes up or down and that's it. But then um, companies that do have that that split that happens with the uh, the reinvestments, they just reinvest. That That's great because then you're just compounding. You're just compounding. Mm-hmm. You know, if the stock's going up and then you're compounding more on top of it, it's it's a really good thing. So I know that Merck yeah, uh, has that. So it's a nice little kickback where they just reinvest it back into your total there, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely gives you yeah. more faith in the company too. Oh, definitely. When they pay yeah. out more dividends. It's like a free. It's like a Christmas bonus. Yeah, it's almost. free money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in so, a way, yeah. yeah it's, it's profit earned from somebody else's work, not your own. That's why it's funny that people don't. I remember reading years ago in, let's say, a magazine like Men's Health, where they would have the the money section, which they have pretty much every month, and they'd have details about, or they touch on in an article something about financing and and stock portfolios and all that, and I, it just didn't connect with me at the time at all. Where I'm just like. Oh, who has stock portfolios? Like, because yeah. nobody I knew really did. I mean, my parents have money in mutual funds, and they've invested in four hundred one ks and for retirement and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. But beyond that, I've never known anybody personally, and nobody my age, who had really invested in stocks or had a stock portfolio to speak of. But it's something that I've kind of opened myself up to more, in as much as I've been reading about it, whether it's in financial magazines or or books. I picked up a few investment and money-oriented books, and it's it really is just a whole separate world that's out there yeah. that you don't really think about. Because every business 
has the intention of turning a profit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of right. which ones will and which ones won't. Or so, the same thing with real estate. I mean, you can people there are people who just flip real estate mm. and make a killing. And make a killing exactly. So yeah. there, there's all sorts of stuff out there like that. It's crazy. And I would watch things on TV like Jim Cramer's show, like that Mad Money, and try to mm-hmm. pretend I know what he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went well, to college I mean, and got a business degree. There's times yeah. I think, what the fuck yeah, what are they yeah. talking about? It's entertaining so, in and of well, itself just to watch like the guy. He's so animated yeah. and everything, the way he talks about everything. Yeah, but he's, I, he's wacky. I don't you understand. Know, <laughs> you know he's actually right a lot of – in fact, almost all the time. And the reason mm-hmm. he's right isn't because he's right. It's because people listen to him. When he says a certain yeah. stock is going to skyrocket, yeah, a lot of people influence. purchase – they all buy, like, right away. So, some people buy, and some people buy later on, like a week later. The people who bought originally, they sell their stock off right after that oh, big yeah, boost happens, and then the stock to. drops again. So right. he's right for the first yeah. few days. But actually, he, he yeah. had a couple of books out, and in one of them, he actually told people not to do that. When he tells you, you know, buy, buy, buy on something, he doesn't want everybody to just buy it at once. He wants you to be smart about it. He wants you to do your homework. He's not saying that, like, he's God, and you should listen to yeah. him. It's, like, it's your own perception. You know. it's, your, it's like, you can take my advice or don't. Yeah, that can, like, you know, my experience. There are financial on, experts who don't have all the answers, of yeah. course. And he's on Fox News, which is broadcast to hundreds of millions. And if, you know, even a fraction of those people buy this stock at the same time or sell this stock at the same time, yeah, it's gonna, you know, that can ruin revenue. It's everything off balance. Oh, yeah. Totally. So he's like, don't do that. Don't all jump on this the, the minute I say it, you know. Yeah. So he, he does give that disclaimer, and he's, you know, can only give Not you so the be much all advice. end all of, of right. stock portfolios and futures for those kind of things. So it's it is it is crazy though. It's oh yeah, really it's confusing a whole stuff. Thing. And I really <laughs> I don't like quite understand how, it. Like I have two books which are, were really great by Susie Orman, who has her show as well, and that I can identify with a little bit more. His show primarily seems to be about stocks and investing exactly whereas hers yeah. tends to be about money buying a general. home and, yeah. and and financing various things tends to be more a lifestyle real life let's say yeah, a lifestyle. yeah. yeah. which Investment. is something that i mean i don't know jim kramer's backstory but i always found someone like her really relatable because when she through her late 20s i believe if i remember the story correctly like up to the point when she was 30 or so was waitressing it didn't have much money and, and took a small amount of money and invested it and then pursued a career in banking and finance and then got to where she is and those are the people whose advice i really want to take the people mm-hmm. who are the first generation millionaires yeah nobody who Not was who born into it into i wouldn't money. read a yeah, yeah i wouldn't read a book by trump's kids no about money because <laughs> it's like they yeah, came my into daddy it. gave all of it exactly to i'm interested yeah. in reading books by people who who have earned it on their own through and who know what they're hard talking work about. and are sticking with it exactly yeah. I, I want to know what they did i, I don't think i'd read a book by trump either well, not necessarily <laughs> about much of you know, it. I heard but give credit where credit is. I mean, he's well, yeah, not the most like, likable person, but he's made in it. He's, 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 he's slightly he's successful. Yeah. yeah I, I, oh, yeah, I know. But like, I heard that, uh, what was it, in Scotland? He wanted to build a, a golf course. And uh, he, in Scotland, get out of here. Uh, yeah, the home of golf. <laughs> but, but but the thing is, he... he that market's he already building, saturated. Yeah, well, he was building this golf course, and he wanted to build a fence to, to divide his property by his na- uh, from his neighbor's. And he charged the neighbor half the cost of the fence. Like he sent oh, well, him a bill. I mean, he's known for making shrewd deals. He's pretty that's ruthless. Not, but yeah. that's kind yeah. of like a, a really, dick move. It's a dick yeah. move, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows it, dude. It's not, yeah. he's, he's not, this is no secret. He's pretty shameless about how he, how he operates with things. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing, and I'm sure he gets people to abide by things like that all the time. He's made a lot of enemies, though, in his real estate and all his investments. I've had a college professor who, because my school is so close to Atlantic City, he's had people who he's worked with say that they've heard stories from other people where they wanted to kill him 
because of the business deals he would make. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, yeah he's known he's to be been, ruthless. He's ruthless. He cuts, undercuts people. He whatever builds him. I mean, and it's a success story. Unfortunately, you've got to be ruthless in this world. Greed right. is good in New Jersey uh, to, anyway. to a degree. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. I mean, to a degree. I, I do believe, honestly, if if you're smart about things and if people trust you, then long term you'll probably do well. I think Trump's in the minority when it comes to being ruthless and closing deals where he comes in with a certain reputation and maybe people expect it a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure I – don't, I don't know this to be certain, but I think if you're more likable and approachable and reliable, people will probably tend people to do more business, do with, business you with you because yeah. they know they're going to get something. Well, he's got that personality to back him up in the media. I mean, he's the media darling. He could be somebody in front of the camera. Uh, not but so much of, anymore. Yeah, not really. <laughs> oh, that's true. I mean, he, he presents a certain image. I'm not saying he's a, a patron saint of anything. <laughs> no. But no. He, he, he presents will be on a bill anytime. Any t- <laughs> he's trying to work on it probably, but uh, oh, sure. <laughs> or a stamp. He, it costs $11 billion. Yeah. <laughs> that's on discount. I'm sorry, Jack. Carry on. Uh, he, he's tried to – I mean, he's been in the media for years, decades – and maybe recently over the last couple of years with television programs and anything else he's been on where Running he presented, presidency. Yeah. He presents an image, but at the same time, you don't know what... And you can maybe pretend you know what he's like in the boardroom because of a television show, but he might be a little bit different. I mean, he, an image isn't... Or a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> he so might be. He could be this big, you know... Well, he's not really even lovable, I would say, but just this personality people can base judgment off of. But then behind the boardroom, he could be a complete asshole. That I'm sure. Rips people He's never going to show verbally. that on camera. I mean, you saw what he did to Rosie O'Donnell. Mm. I mean, he could do that to you know his secretary. Anybody didn't get him, didn't get him his tea. True. So, I'm sure it's, it's true. quite capable. You know, money does things to people. Uh, no, love of money does things to people. Yes, money is fine. Lust. Even even the, the tome that is the Bible. The love of money is a root of all evil. Not money itself. Money can do a lot of good. I guess you could see, I absolutely see that can. point. So, let's move on to credit. Credit. Credit's yeah. such a funny thing. Credit scores. It's something I've looked at credit for cards. years. Yeah. I mean, in my early 20s, while I wasn't as financially responsible, obviously, in, in hindsight, I can say that, I still want to be conscious about the as far as actually building credit. And it's something that's kind of difficult to... I can't even phrase it as well, just because it seems to be... It's something that changes it's so ultimate, often and fluctuates. ultimate temptation. these days. I mean, ultimately, it's something you need to keep an eye on. Absolutely. I mean, you can get the annual credit report. I think it's annualcreditreport.com where you can get it from the big three, the big three reporting agencies, where you get the free report once a year. Yeah. I don't know exactly how that works, though. What, as a credit far report? As, as far as what reading it, it and what it, what it means, I've never, I don't, I don't think I I've ever actually one. looked at my credit report. I used to get one through one of my credit cards. It was one of the perks they had where you got a free credit report, mm-hmm. I think, every three months or something. Okay. And it was interesting to look at as far as you can see. What is on your overall history? I mean, when I was younger, I had a lot of store credit cards, which was overall kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. But and they they help with building credit a little bit, from what I've heard. It's not, oh, well, not it, so much as like you know student loans or a car loan or you know obviously a mortgage on a house or things like that. But at least in the beginning, when you're a kid, they definitely help. From what I'm told, to start, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I bought my first. <laughs> if you can believe this, I bought my first leather jacket. On a Stearns credit card. And nice. that's the whole reason Stearns. I got the card was wow. because I wanted, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that <laughs> turned into a Macy's credit card when, mm-hmm. when Stearns closed and yeah. it became Macy's. So that was helpful and, and served its purpose at the time. Did you get uh, your 15% off? Um, I don't remember what the what the hook was, but I mean, I got I got something that day aside from the leather yeah. jacket. I saved something, even though I probably took like three months to pay off and probably was neutralized by whatever promotion was going on with opening a card. But yeah. mm. I, I used to do that a lot, get store cards kind of impulsively. 
when I was younger. I don't have yeah. any now. Because it's much easier to get them than it is for you know normal credit cards. Oh, yeah. Or just, Especially or just a MasterCard. Circa that... 2002, 2003, when things were better. Uh, when they, they were, are yeah, now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when things seemed to be more we were secure and stable. Though, after 9-11. So it was kind of a rough. There was there was a minor one, but it was yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like how now. it is now, yeah. where the things took a dive in two thousand eight. Well, it was it's a, not yeah, quite like that. It was a brief, but by like there was two thousand two two thousand three, people were back on track. They wanted to spend money. They wanted to go back on yeah. vacations. and, and credit was like, more yeah. open. It wasn't as tied down as it is now. And I get why because people being extended credit that was outside of their range as far as what they were able to pay down, on top of people applying. Like what I'm trying to say is like banks extending credit that people couldn't necessarily pay for, and people applying for credit that was outside of and that's, of reality for them. It's it was a two pronged problem. Yeah, that's a big part of why we're in this mess right now. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, people overshooting their boundaries, and then the banks that are willing to give them money that they know is not going to be paid back. It's yeah, you know, and then when created a huge ball of shit. Yeah, when <laughs> loads of people can't pay it back, and the banks don't have their money, that's when yeah, trouble that's starts. When everything falls so apart. as, as yeah. much as. Banks were dependent on everybody making those payments and having interest and everything else accumulate, and then having these people who the loans were distributed to or mortgages or whatever they were, when they weren't getting that money back, that's when that thing has really started falling apart. Those two things just played off of each other back and forth, yeah. and then it's, it it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, it's it's tough to navigate. Mm. I mean, we have such, it's such a weird kind of culture we have when it when it comes to money i mean even look at the the resolution of the raising of the debt ceiling nothing happened till the day before and unfortunately that's exactly how it goes pay your bills the last minute or if you have a grace period pay within the grace period there's no there's not really a culture of financial responsibility yeah it's weird too kind of looking at it long term there's one book i read um which was awesome a book called you're broke as you want to be uh, by larry wingett which and, i think is still sitting on my bedroom yeah I, did, I, I, <laughs> I gave, gave you like a two copy. years ago yeah <laughs> but it, it is really great, and there, there are a lot of practical things in it which just made sense. Like this one quote he said was, when you're buying something on sale, let's say, ooh, it's 30% off. You're not saving 30%. You're spending 70%, mm-hmm. which is true. And yeah. in addition to that, his logic was, if you weren't going to buy it for 100% of its price, then buying it for 30% off, it, it, it shouldn't even matter. Mm. Like, why are you going to buy something just because it's on just sale? If it's, it's something you sale. weren't going to buy in the first place. Well, what if it's something you you wanted to buy? You're just well, that's fine, it. but that's, that's what he's talking about. Thing. If you were going to buy it for 100% of the price. Well, people okay. will just see something people on the sale not and come into the store yeah. for it yeah. and buy it Ooh, 30% it's on sale. off, you know, Labor Day yeah. sale or something like sure, that. Sure, I'll have it. Why people not? People come in and, like, buy a couch, but were they looking to buy a couch? Probably no. not, but people get sucked in that mentality. But it was something that was a really interesting perception where I thought, oh, that's true. When you look at the mentality of save this much money, like you still need to look at how much you're spending. Exactly. Like, that's how it used to be when DVDs first came out, where I was just like, oh, man, that's like $15. And, you know, I get three of them for $30. That's like getting <laughs> yeah. getting three for the price of two. It's still spending $30. It's not saving anything. Exactly. So that's, a good that's kind of where people get hooked. It's a good bargain, but it's not necessarily, like you said, Anything you're not devi- saving anything. You're not deviating from the spending path you were going to do. Yeah, pretty much. Unless it's something you were absolutely going to buy. Would I absolutely have bought every CD and DVD I own for full price necessarily? Probably not. Now I'm the first person to admit of being impulsive when it comes to buying things like that. I've gotten more intelligent about it over the years. But yeah, looking at kind of changing your perception like that, I mean, meant a whole lot to me. Yeah. And as a result, I've kind of gotten to a cash-only way of spending too, where I never had overdraft fees till I had a check card. 
exactly. When I just had a card. Yeah, when I direct deposit into my savings account, I just had money. Yeah. a card for the ATM that didn't have a Visa or MasterCard logo on it. it was so just, just an for ATM the ATM. Yeah, and I was yeah. living on cash. Only. I never deal with overdraft fees. And then overdraft fees became the bane of my existence, especially when I was in school and was mm-hmm. so caught up in everything that I wasn't paying attention to everything going on account. or yeah. how much I was spending out of the bank account or spending, let's say, $30 on groceries and then getting $20 cash back. I'm forgetting that I took an extra $20 out and it's $50. they're brutal. Oh, yeah. Last year, um, I I had like $75 or so left in my checking account and I was going out for the weekend to uh, New York City for a friend's birthday. And I very, very carefully took out money just to make sure that I didn't, uh, you know, overdraw my account. And it so happened that um, I took out money four different times over the course of that one day, and I had another pending transaction that I didn't look at. Uh, I believe it was for Xbox, actually, which totally <laughs> I think, yeah, fucked me. Yeah, I think me. I remember this. I think it was your renewal of your gold membership yeah, or something. Yeah, and, and it automatically renewed, which it was supposed to do a month before, and I had thought it was already taken care of. So that was coming out that day, so I didn't notice that I had overdrawn my account four times on the same day, yeah. and it was for a minimal amount of money. It was like 10 or $20 each time. Yeah. So I got hit with four different overdraft fees at like $25 a piece wow, and then damn. I didn't my paycheck didn't clear until like another three days from then so on top of the original four overdraft fees they charged me another $35 for a certain amount of days that where your account remains overdrawn right so I ended up paying them like $135 yeah it's crazy it. it's, yeah. it's absolutely insane I've had two similar instances where I was very very annoyed at the bank now I get everything's in black and white in fine print when it comes to bank policies and all that. But at the same time, banks change their policies and merge with each other so much that you literally have to go through every piece of paperwork you get with a fine-tooth comb in order to find all these these little details. Because one issue I had with, they're not around anymore, but Washington Mutual, which is the bank I had when I was in California while I was in school, was they would allow you to overdraw your account up to $500 and then they'd start declining it. So basically I could and, – and their logic was it was kind of framed in the way that, well, that way your bills get paid and then you don't get a late charge from your bills. We just charge you an overdraft fee. Like it was a favor mm-hmm. so that you, your bills don't get rejected and then you get a fee. But it's like, well, then you're automatically de- deducting a fee from my checking account anyway. So I'm still paying somebody if I'm overdrawn. Exactly. It like, doesn't matter who you're paying. You're still paying it. But one of the patterns <laughs> yeah. I found with that was if – I'm just going to use an example. Let's say I had a pending transaction, which was $40, and then I had two small like transactions from lunch. Let's say two $5 transactions, and I had $30 in the bank. Regardless of when I made the transactions, if they were a day apart, the $40 one would post to overdraw me, and then the two $5 ones would post. So that means three overdraft fees instead of just one. Yeah, exactly. The, instead of just the... The two $5 transactions going through first and then the larger one. And I actually brought that after getting hit for a few overdraft fees and instances like that. I actually went to the local branch and spoke to the branch manager. And I was just like, I was like, don't you see this? Like anytime getting close to overdrawing, regardless of what days I made these transactions in, the largest one that's going to overdraw me goes through and then everything else. And I'm getting hit for like three, four fees at a time. Yeah. Like, how do you think this looks? Like, if I'm seeing it this way, just looking at my statement, how would this look to anybody else? It's ridiculous. I ended up getting credit for one of them. Yeah. 
But I was just like, this is so stupid, and I couldn't I couldn't close that account fast enough with Washington Mutual. That yeah. was really annoying. And the other that, side of it, yeah, I mean, there should be personal responsibility, right? At, to some extent, like there I, is, I blame myself but, too, you know, with with that incident that happened to me, like not paying enough attention to my account, right? And things like that. It happens in a case like mine, though. That was an obvious ripoff. Yeah. Where that happened on more than one occasion, where there was yeah. one transaction that would overdraw me, and then any small ones, any small ones would post and afterwards, you, you and each one of, gets a, a twenty. At yeah. the time, it was twenty seven dollar fee. Eventually, went to thirty five. Yeah, and you you, know, but you swipe crap, your card dude. for a dollar candy bar, and you get hit with twenty five dollars. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. each time you do it. Mm. So, like, it's if you crazy. had known that, you would have just pulled out the cash one time and gotten hit with one fee, yeah. and just pull out whatever you needed in one shot. As opposed to you know unknowingly doing it four times nah. and then getting hit with all those fees. Similarly, that happened to me too when Commerce Bank, which is a kind of an East Coast bank that got taken over by TD Bank, which mm-hmm. I don't believe TD is quite national yet either. But no, it's just local. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know it's in a few yeah. states surrounding New Jersey, but when they changed over, they had a policy where if you deposited a check, a hundred dollars would be made available to you immediately, regardless of how much the check was worth or if it was a paycheck, payroll check, whatever it is. That would be available immediately and have to wait a few days for the check itself to clear. Now, what was weird was I was on vacation one weekend. I'd actually gone down to Wildwood for a few days. And having not kept track, I overdrew my account. Now, every time I went to the ATM and it was letting me overdraw my account, I'd be taking out $20 here or $40 there, whatever it is. I'd gone a few times. And then I got hit for all these fees to where my entire paycheck was swallowed up. By overdraft fees. By overdraft fees, which was absolutely ludicrous. So that was another occasion where I went to the back and I was like, what the hell is this? Why, if I had a negative balance, which apparently I was overdrawn in the first place, when all the transactions posted, before I went to an ATM to take out cash, I already had a negative balance. And now they let me take out cash, which is just setting me up for more overdraft fees, just just guaranteeing them $35 fees. Yeah. And I went there, as I said, or if I didn't say it, it's after the, the changeover to TD Bank. And I said, well, what gives? Like, if I'm already overdrawn, why are you allowing me to take out more cash? All you're doing is setting me up for overdraft fees. Exactly. And it was the same thing. Like, well, you can withdraw up to, it was something like four or 500 over that. Mm-hmm. I said, wait a minute. So if I have no cash in my account, I can withdraw. I go to the ATM once in a day. I think the limit was like $400 you could take out in a day from the ATM. I can pull out $400 in cash that you're never guaranteed to see again. Mm-hmm. But yet, if I deposit a check from my company, a paycheck, I get a hundred dollars of it. And need to wait like three, four days for, for it to it's clear. clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how does that make sense? And short version, they ended up refunding me. I forget, it was like two hundred dollars, so it must have been what like seven overdraft fees, six or seven fees. Yeah, and I was just like that logic made no sense to me. And because of the changeover, you actually had to like fill out a form to request that if your account is overdrawn or going to be overdrawn that the transaction gets declined. Yeah. And no, that was something else that's somewhere in fine That's actually national now. Uh, President Obama actually um, kind of spearheaded the whole overdraft protection uh, laws that are coming into effect gradually uh, with banks where you get a choice. Now, and it's with my bank as well. I have a PNC. And um, you're given a choice to either opt in or opt out of the service where you're allowed to overdraw the account and you still get those you know, overdraft fees or... If you don't have the money in your account, your card just gets declined. Right. So instead of letting people just keep taking out money and keep taking out money, they give you a choice. You can still do that and realize that you're going to get hit with those fees. Or if you don't have the money, your card gets declined so that you don't keep doing that. So actually, I actually opted out of that and I have my card just declined now. If my bank account gets that low, 
yeah. if I don't have the money, I'm just Mine not going to buy whatever exact I was thing. trying to buy. So. Mine does the same Because I can't have that happening again with overdraft fees. I no, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I only found myself in that situation once, but it's not something I ever want to happen again. So, no, it's if I don't not worth have giving the money. I'm not going to spend it. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth giving the bank money openly like that. No, absolutely, it's, not. it's absolutely ridiculous, and I'm surprising. I think that's how a lot of banks get themselves in trouble, and how things like the hmm. recession that began in late 2008, how all that came to be. Because if if literally I went to a bank and, like I said, withdrew cash out of the ATM that I was allowed to, there's no guarantee that cash is coming back to them. If you have ten people do that, then the bank's at four grand yeah. Well, yeah, that well, they can pursue you to get. But come on, and that's how the banks and the people lost each other's trust. Yes, both ends. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's not the only way. Um, actually, I heard of a, a book. Have you heard of the Big Short? No, I have heard it's, of the Big Short. Yeah. It's a book. Uh, one of my coworkers was telling me about it, where it describes the whole uh, market crash uh, in detail. How uh, certain banks were actually giving out uh, AAA ratings to. Uh, to, to give loans to illegal immigrants and AAA ratings is is like people who you can guarantee can pay back, but you're talking right. about uh, people who don't even have, who have no US established don't have a don't yeah. social security number here exactly. You know? <laughs> and the way it worked is all, all of these uh, banks were giving out these loans and and uh, big uh, companies was it uh, Fannie and Freddie, yeah, uh, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie, Freddie Mac, Freddie Mac, yeah, um, okay. Basically, insurance companies who were insuring the, these deals. I, I don't know the details of all of this. I, I never really looked into the financial background of any of these companies or did any research. Mm-hmm. But this book uh, explains how uh, they were backing all of these uh, deals up. And a lot of people, a lot of individual investors knew about this and would uh, they, they'd actually um, buy these insurances where if the market crashed, if they lost their investments, these insurance companies would pay back uh, – uh, multiple times the amount that they originally put in. So the moment the market crashed, and they knew it was going to crash, they were going to get paid, and all these large insurance companies would go down. Mm. There's a part of me that almost doesn't want to know because it kind of makes you look at things from a very, let's see how much money we can squeeze out of people kind of way, yeah. which is everything I got from that recession. You know, it is interesting like just to, to know how exactly how it fell apart and be right. aware and of, to learn from of what it. went on behind the scenes and to learn and, from it. And exactly. how not to run your own business. Yes, so another another thing that's attached to uh, to credits and loans and things like that is the the concept of interest, which uh, fluctuates in in two different directions when you're talking about loans and then when you're talking about savings accounts. Basically, when one is high, the other is going to be low. So what happens? Like, uh, does anyone have an ING account here? It's uh, basically a savings account. Um, it's called Electric Orange. Is the name oh of yeah, their savings um, account. yeah. So, I know the type of account you're talking about. Yeah. So I have one a of those direct savings. savings account. Account. It's a direct savings yes. account, exactly. Where they used to have like a five percent interest rate. It used to be like through the roof, point nine or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's low. So um, what happens with that? Um, oh yeah, when I opened mine, it was like four and a quarter, four and a half percent interest, which is astronomical for a savings account. But when that is that high, any interest that you're going to have on like credit cards or loans is going to be through the roof as well. Basically, you're going to lose one way or another. If you, you know, take out a loan, uh, when interest is high, it's high. When it's low, it's low. Now, that same ING uh, account that I have, it's less than 1% as far as the interest on the, on the savings account. But then with loans, the, it's, the interest has dropped a lot, too. Like my, uh, my Sally Mae loans that I had for college, mm-hmm. the interest used to be something like 12%, and it's like three and change now. So basically, yes. they kind of <laughs> they stay level with each other. Right. If so one goes low. One goes low. The other goes low. The other goes low. low. One's up. The other one's up. So, so it's win-lose in, in both directions. Yeah, pretty much, you know, yeah. No you're kind of keeping even. I mean, either way, you're not going to 
you're going to pay out more than you actually profit yeah. from something like that, obviously. So, because no one's ever, you're never going to see a 0.9% interest rate on any student mm-hmm. loan. <laughs> yeah. Maybe somebody has one or did once upon a time, but these days, no one's going to go into school or come out of school now with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, you're not going to make much money unless you put tens of thousands, if not more, into a savings account with that kind of interest rate. But like even my bank, uh, PNC, they, they've been trying to get me to open up a savings account with them for years. And even when interest was high on, on other savings accounts, it was like a quarter of a percent there. I was like, no. Yeah. Absolutely it's not. not. <laughs> like I'm never going to make not any much money of a gain. on that. Yeah. You're better off just straight up stock investing. Just yeah, putting money into a sock drawer. Intelligently. <laughs> yeah. Well, that yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> under your mattress yeah in a safe in your room but with that the, the whole thing about trust now is that um as far as giving out loans or giving out credit cards which which was tough i actually i just got my first credit card recently that is not affiliated with a store because i couldn't get one for years <laughs> yeah i mean store cards like target best buy kohl's they they gave me cards with really with very, you very little you effort yeah get like a Real credit card first, or like no, a major? I never. I, I never usually had some a stores major deny you now if you don't have a real credit card. No, no. Well, once upon a time, I mean, there are other things, factors. I mean, I've been paying my student loans for five years now, and you know, I was able to get True. Uh, the car loan for my current car in my name alone. My parents didn't have to co-sign, so a lot of things build your credit as opposed to just like a regular credit card that's not attached to a store or things like that. And I had a, a Firestone card as well for car repairs, which I <laughs> use frequently. Unfortunately, <laughs> so all that kind of stuff builds your credit. And as long as you pay, you know, on time, and you pay more than the as minimum, long as you're consistent, yeah, all that yeah. stuff adds up very quickly, folks. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> if you're listening, please learn from our examples. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. the, the whole thing is like people are not to be trusted with that now. As as was clear, people taking out loans for things that they know they couldn't pay for. People overdrawing their cards accounts, opening they, up credit cards that they can't that, pay down. You know, with high interest that they're not going to pay down. But at the same time, as far as creditors are concerned, like if you don't give people that trust, you're not going to make any money if you don't give them the chance. Right. And the thing with them, like the thing with credit card companies, it's really funny. They're not going to make any money unless you fuck up. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. It's in their best interest for you to not pay on time and to pay the bare minimum. But if... Likewise, well, if you, well, if you do that, but that's not like that's, with all the interest kicks in when you don't pay on time, yeah. or if you don't pay the minimum, or mm-hmm. what have you, or you're late on your payments. Yeah, that's where creditors make their money. So you'd think that I mean, as long as they're getting some of the money back from you, and they're and they're charging you these astronomical late fees and interest on to- on top of late fees, like that's where they're making their money. So it's right. really in their best interest for you to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least pretty to some much. extent, not maybe to, completely, to, to but forget temporarily, to forget temporarily if at the do very that, least, they're in the black. It doesn't make sense for all these creditors to be so nervous about giving to people the chances the now. So, if you want to make money, you have to give credit to idiots. Yeah, like, my or, parents, or for people to be unreliable. My parents have yeah. actually had a couple of credit card companies cancel their card for them because they never messed up. Yeah, oh, my sister oh, had yeah. that too. Wow, she had really? a couple of yeah. credit limits slashed. Yeah, one of them was cut in half. A Mastercard she had. I don't remember through the bank, and it doesn't matter anyway. But that's because spite? she wasn't really you know, well. Just because she wasn't using it, mm-hmm. oh, okay. so yeah, you kind of that's that's, one that's the weird thing yeah. where if you use if you max out your cards, your score sinks. If you don't use your card, your credit score sinks. Mm-hmm. No, the general that, guideline I've seen was like try and leave like half of your available credit credit cards, like uh, as what they say, unsecured debt. Keep half of it consistent. So use your cards regularly, monthly at least. And pay interest on something, yeah, yeah, to increase your credit along the way. It's kind of like a long-term investment where Mm -hmm. you have to pay interest on something. If you have a $4,000 card, in theory, keep $2,000 of it 
used and the other mm-hmm. 2,000 available so that you're kind of in the middle so your score goes up because if you use it too much or too little, your score suffers. That's exactly. why credit's such well, a, an unpredictable, strange thing. So you don't want a card sitting there with a zero balance that you don't use. Yeah, because then you're a bad that's customer. not getting you Banks anywhere. Like that. Exactly. Well, no, the, the thing with my parents is different. They were actually using the card. They were just paying on time. Yeah, that they're actually... Paying it off? That happened yes, to my mom, why. too, with a couple they, of... They're yeah, deadbeat. The, yeah, the credit industry yeah. refers to them as deadbeats yeah. because they're not earning any money off of them. That yeah. happened to my mom, too, with a couple of her cards, actually, where she was... Using it moderately, not too much, but she was paying on time every month, and they, after a while, they just canceled the card because they weren't making any money off of her, basically. Wow, yeah, I'm really. surprised that they could even yeah, do that. Kind of because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, do, I pay everything yeah. on time pretty much now. Well, yeah, but you carry a balance, yeah. though, right? Yeah. So somewhere. you're fine. If you don't carry I mean, that a balance, happened to my sister, you... though, where she, she carries a balance, but they still, like, cut her credit card limits. Well, I have like, a balance. Well, but... recently I've had some balances, but I had... Most of the time, I was able to pay a majority of it off. Yeah, but if, if anything, you, if you whole pay, thing but off. But if you pay them off completely, then you're screwing yourself long term anyway. So you're kind of yeah. you're kind of roped into it since everything's built around a I've credit score. I've had a score. lot of these cards for the same years too, so I've built enough rapport with these companies. I believe that mm, they're not. Don't say just, that. <laughs> you're a number, Jack. You're a number. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> it's true. They're looking to, to make a profit just like any other company. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but to keep it active somewhat. At least once a month, once every other month. To. That's what Even I've been if you're trying to do. Filling up your tank, which is like yeah. you know fifty dollars anyway. Like a Best Buy card, <laughs> I should actually go there because I have a zero balance on that right now. As we're recording this, so there you go. Well, go there and buy something before they close that motherfucker up, Jack. Yeah. So, kind of in closing, granted, this has been a bit of a a more toned down and kind of serious show, but it's it's money. You don't want to mess around too much with people and their money. Obviously, no. as we've talked about, it's a very hot topic. But if you've ever seen any movies, you know that. Yeah, don't exactly. Mess you ever see? Yeah, you ever see Bob movies? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever seen any Jason Statham movies? <laughs> Make sure the bad guy gets their money. No. But in closing, does everybody have one nugget of financial advice they would like to give the audience in hopes that they will follow it? Based yes. on your experience, get money. <laughs> That's it. That's Legally. It. Legally. Okay. Get money. There you go. Jack, what have you learned in your experience with finances and credit and save what a you living? can, but spend what you want? Not all, all right. of it, but makes sense. Keep yourself happy. It doesn't always have to go to bills Be or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, have fun with keep it. Keep it in. Keep it balanced. Ron, what do you have? Always make sure that you have enough for what you want on hand, and then some. Yeah, that's my advice. Cool. Well, one small thing that I've adopted recently, thanks to a speaker and author named Brian Tracy, his equation for saving long term and getting yourself in the habit of setting aside ultimately 10% of your income is start out and for one month, whether you get two paychecks a month or four, depending if you get weekly or biweekly pay, of course, set aside 1% of your gross income, whatever you made before taxes. Do that for the month, the next month, 2%, the next month, 3%. So that way within a year, well, I mean, ideally 10 months, you will then be living on 90% of your pay and you'll be socking away 10% of it. Which, since you're doing it so gradually, you will slowly adjust to living on 99% of your pay, 98, 97, and then eventually 90%. And then when it comes to increases, which I haven't gotten one, so I haven't been able to try this yet, but he says to put away half. Like whatever your increase is, or if you get a bonus or something, put half of it in a savings and then the other half for whatever else so that you're building gradually but consistently. So then over years... You're just building and building. And if you can put it into something that has interest or an investment that can have some kind of profit, there you go. This has been financially and mentally and... Stimulating. Stimulating, I hope yes. it's been financially stimulating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is Jack. This is Ryan. This is Ron. 
And this is Chris, and you have just listened to another informative yet entertaining episode of the only podcast that matters. (laughs) 